0: Um, Let's take a second uh, and just pray as we uh, come come before God and his word. Um, Father, thank you so much uh, for the gift of each other that you have given us, Christian family and church family, that none of us need to go Lone Ranger and try and walk the Christian life alone. But you've given us each other so we can encourage one another, so we can carry, uh, share one another's burdens, so we can spur one another on to love and good deeds, uh, so we can walk with each other through every part of life, the highs and the lows, the joys and the sorrows. Um, Father, help us to do that well, help us to do that better in the days ahead as we recommit ourselves to each other uh, as church family. And Father, thank you for the gift of your word, uh, which feeds us and inspires us and rebukes us and corrects us uh, and guides us in the way we should live. And we pray this morning that your word would speak powerfully into our hearts and into our lives. Um, Help us to be open and receptive to what you want to say to us this morning by your word and by your spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, We are beginning uh, a new series which will take us through a good part of the autumn Um, and this is kind of our, is my clicker working by the way or am I relying on a wee nod? Do I need to give you a nod? Oh no, it is working now. So Um, this is kind of our key word is the word gospel Um, and I wonder if I say the word gospel to you, I wonder what thoughts and feelings it stirs up in you. I wonder where your mind goes If I say the word gospel, um, it may be that you think of a certain kind of music, kind of gospel music, um, or you may think of a particular kind of church, or a kind of meeting, or a kind of mission, or a kind of tract, or a kind of preaching. Um, I don't know what the associations are for you with the word gospel. And I also don't know, whenever you hear that word, are the feelings that it stirs up in you? mostly positive, or mostly negative, or a little bit of a mix of both. I'd love you to sort of just check in with yourself and see what is your reaction to that, that word. Um, in this series, we're going we're gonna to be doing a little bit of a, a journey through the whole of the Bible. We're going to be looking at how the message of the gospel is found all through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Um, As one children's author says, every page whispers his name, speaking about Jesus. So we're going to be looking for the gospel all the way through the Bible. Um, But to begin the series, um, I wanted to just begin in a very simple way by looking at one, uh, probably one of the most famous verses in the New Testament, uh, which is Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And this is what it says it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Um, If you're being vigilant, you may notice that's not even the whole verse. Uh, The the verse begins with the word for, which is always a little clue that it, it follows on from Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 15. So I'd love you when you get time later today, go and read the rest of the chapter that leads up to this verse. Uh, And the verse also ends with a very intriguing, fascinating uh, statement that this is first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles, but that's a wee bit beyond our scope this morning. So we're going to focus on this little bit. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Um, And this morning, like really simply, we're going to walk through this one verse and focus on some of the key words and kind of see what comes to light. So, this will be a very simple journey through one, one verse in the Bible. Um, so, let's highlight some words one at a time. So, let's start with the one that is the center of this series. I think I've lost power again, so I'll get Emily to move us on. Um, the word gospel. Um, let's begin with that word. What does that word mean? Uh, the word, I'm going to give you a little bit of Greek this morning, okay? And you don't have to remember the Greek, there'll be no test. But the the Greek word is euangelion, um, which is where we get words like evangelism and evangelical and other words like that. Uh, But the word euangelion or gospel simply means good news. And so I want to pause immediately there and just let that sink in, that when the first Christians were looking around for a word to describe the message that they carried for the world, right? They could have kind of picked any word to try to sum that up, but this was the word that they picked, was good news. That's how they wanted to sum up what they carried. Um, And I guess the first thing I kind of want to just observe with you is this is a word that is overflowing with joy and gladness. It's brimming with joy that is kind of the essence and character of this message. Uh, Do you remember the angels announcing it to the shepherds? And they said, we're bringing you good news of great joy for all people. And that that is characteristic of the euangelion of the good news. It is brimming with joy. Um, And now, of course, we're going to find as we go through the series, in talking about the gospel, we have to also talk about some themes that are maybe more difficult or more uncomfortable. We're going to need to talk about things like sin and judgment and the wrath of God and those kind of things. But still, the basic character of this gospel message is fundamentally joyful. And if you and I are going to be, if you and I want to be gospel people and a gospel culture, then we're going to be people who are known for our overflowing joy. Um, I'd love to give it to you as a little challenge. Go and do a little word study of the word joy through the New Testament. The the New Testament is just fizzing with joy. It's everywhere. It just bubbles with joy. Maybe my favorite little phrase Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8, that we are people who rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. (laughs) Right? That's, that's what Christians are like, that's what Christians are meant to be like, just fizzing with joy. That is our calling card and our watermark of authenticity. So maybe straight away we can say if we claim to be gospel people, but if the atmosphere around us is always kind of heavy and gloomy, or dull and boring, or even sometimes a bit angry, then something has gone badly wrong. You cannot be a person of the Galileon and be characterised in those kind of ways. Uh, we need to go back and look at our roots and look at our hearts if we've lost that characteristic gospel joy. Um, Paul writes to the Galatians, Galatians 4 verse 15, really sad phrase. He says, what has happened to all your joy? What's happened? And maybe that's a question we need to regularly kind of ask ourselves because we can lose that characteristic gospel joy. So that's the first thing. Gospel is about good news. It's characteristically joyful. The other thing to say about gospel, and this word, is that it wasn't originally a religious word. Um, it, it was used in the wider culture in a particular context. And the context when it was used was when a new king was on the throne. So often in the ancient world, there would be a rebellion or a war or one empire would conquer another. Uh, There'd be a conquest and there'd be a new king or a new emperor on the throne. And what would happen is messengers would be sent out to every corner of the kingdom uh, on foot and on horseback and to get the message out there. And the message they carried was the euangelion. That's the word that was used to say a new era has begun with a new king on the throne so that's kind of the the feel that this word had the subtext that this word had it was good news about regime change a change of regime one king the old king is gone the new king has come and of course as you can imagine in many cases in the ancient world it was probably debatable whether that was really good news or not because the new king was likely to be as bad as the old one, or maybe even worse. But again, I find this really striking. When the first Christians looked for a word to convey the heart of their message, they chose a word that carried this association. The gospel is good news about a change of regime, about a new king and a new kingdom. And again, you can find this all over the New Testament, but just to give you a couple of examples, when Jesus started to go about Galilee preaching, what was the message that Jesus preached? He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. There is a new kingdom beginning, breaking in, now available. Repent, turn around, and believe the good news. Believe the gospel of this new kingdom. That was the message that Jesus preached it was about a king and a kingdom um, or as Paul expressed it in Colossians 1 verse 13 and I love this he said uh, talking about Jesus he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves you hear it it's about regime change it's about being brought out of one dominion and, and rule and reign the dominion of darkness and being brought into a new the new rule of this new king so that's already quite a lot just to get from one word. This is uh, a good news message that is characteristically joyful, and it's about a king and a kingdom and a change of regime. Let's look at another word. If we can move it on, um, I'm, I'm just highlighting words, so that's all it's changing on the screen. Um, it is the power of God. Um, here's your, your second Greek word for today. Again, no test later on. Um, but the Greek word here is dunamis. Which is the root from which we get words like "dynamite" and "dynamic." Um, Paul or yeah, Paul is saying here in Romans 1, "The gospel is powerful. The gospel changes things. The gospel makes things happen. The gospel brings things into existence that didn't exist before. The gospel raises the dead. The gospel shakes us up and wakes us up, and maybe sometimes breaks us up, and then puts us back together. Um, The gospel raises the dead and makes all things new. The gospel is powerful. And again, I wonder, is that how you usually think about the gospel? I wonder when I said the word gospel at the beginning, does it come with the kind of thunder of dynamite exploding? Or has it become for us sometimes a kind of tame word? Do we sometimes think of the gospel as something that's true, but maybe a bit dry and theoretical? Maybe some dusty doctrines with no relation to our everyday lives. Do you think of it as something that lands in the middle of human life and just blows things up and makes things happen and uh, shakes things up? Like that wind blowing outside. The wind's giving us a little demonstration. Um, Sometimes we, we think of the gospel as having to do with just two moments, the moment in the past when we became a Christian and a moment in the future when we go to heaven. But what about right here, right now, in the middle where you and I are? Does the gospel have any power to make any difference to your character, to your desires, to your habits, to your relationships, to your family life, to your work life, to your play, to your community, to our neighborhood, to our world? Does the gospel have power to make things happen and to make a difference? Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, uh, it's a very sad kind of statement, he says it's possible to have a form of godliness but to deny its power. It's possible to have a kind of Religiosity, where we go through the motions and we go to church and we look like we're kind of playing the game, but there's no power. We've lost touch with the dunamis of the gospel. And again, is that, I wonder, is that something that sometimes we need to reflect on? What has happened to all your joy? Is it possible sometimes that we've lost touch with the power of the gospel? There's a song that says, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain wonder, do you believe that? Um, The gospel is about power. Let's look at another word. Um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. Um, This is another one of our our very best words uh, in in a biblical and Christian faith. Um, And again, I, I, I do think it's important to remember this. Again, this was not originally a religious word. This is a word from everyday life. And it's a word that carries, I think, several layers of meaning. It's a word that tells a story. What, what kind of story comes to mind when you hear the word salvation or the word saved? Um, I think there are three main ones, and there may be others as well. Um, it tells a story of being in great danger and being threatened by an enemy that is too strong for us, and then being rescued Just at the right moment, kind of snatched from the jaws of the dragon. It's that idea of being rescued from an enemy and from danger. Or salvation tells a story of being in captivity, of being in chains, like we just spoke of, of being imprisoned, of being in slavery, and unable to find any way of getting free and any way of escape. And then, at just the right moment, being delivered and liberated and set free and being brought out into the light and into the air of freedom. So salvation is a word that's not just about rescue from danger but about liberation from captivity. Or, this one may be less obvious, salvation tells a story of being sick or injured beyond hope of recovery and unable to get up and unable to go on and then being healed and restored to health. Um, just to drop a little bit of truth on you that might uh, explode in your mind a little bit if you go and think about it. But in the New Testament in Greek, uh, the same word is used for healing and for salvation. It's not even that these are related words, it's the same word. So every time in your New Testament it says healed, you could translate it as saved, and every time it says saved, you could translate it as healed. The two Ideas are interwoven. Salvation speaks of a deep healing of our nature, of our heart. Um, And I guess what I want to try and convey to you this morning is, um, which of those is is the one that we need as a definition of salvation? We we need all of those stories to convey the beauty and the richness of what salvation means. Um, We have a bit of a habit in our religious cultures, of sometimes narrowing the definition down to one story, but then something always gets lost. So maybe in some traditions, we may focus only on salvation as rescue from danger, especially the danger of judgment and hell. But then what can happen is we get people who have said the prayer and say, I'm saved, but there's not much sign of freedom or healing. We remain captive to the things we were captive to before and sick in the ways we were sick before. We need all the dimensions of salvation. Um, Or in other circles or other traditions, we might focus on the gospel as being about sickness and healing. And you can get a very gentle and compassionate gospel, but then you can lose any sense of the urgency of being in spiritual danger and spiritual captivity and needing to be rescued we need all the dimensions of salvation. Salvation is about being rescued from danger. It's about being set free from captivity. It's about a healing of everything that's gone wrong in our hearts and our nature. It's a beautiful word. Um, and then what about this word tucked at the end if we move it on? For everyone who believes. Um, this is a message that requires a response um, if the joy and the power of the gospel are going to be released in our lives, then there needs to be a response. And the response that is needed is faith. Um, again, I'm sure you know all through the New Testament, this is repeated as the response to the gospel. Uh, famously, John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son uh, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life For Ephesians 2 verse 8 it's by grace you have been saved through faith it's the characteristic it's the required response to the gospel and the thing about faith as a response that is really striking is that it's not really something we do it's about something we receive we trust in what God does for us when we believe Salvation is a gift freely given and freely received. We don't achieve it or earn it or contribute to it. We are amazed by grace and we receive it with gratitude. Um, And so the joy that we've been talking about and the power and the freedom and the healing, those are not things we can earn or achieve by being good or being smart or working hard. They are freely given as a gift to anyone who will receive them with open hands. So as the New Testament often reminds us, there's no room for boasting. There's no room for any of us feeling superior to anybody else. But there's a lot of room for amazement and wonder and gratitude. The, the response to the gospel is faith, is open hands receiving what God does and what God gives. There's one last word I want to I puzzle over with you before I finish. and It's the word at the beginning that, that I, I skipped past. Um, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And it makes you kind of pause and and think, why would anyone be ashamed of a message like the one we've been talking about this morning? A message of joy and power and freedom and healing. I wonder how you would answer that. Why would someone be ashamed of this message? Uh, There's maybe a couple of big reasons. Uh, One is that the message can come as a a colossal blow to our pride, that we can't get ourselves out of this trouble that we're in, that we can't get ourselves free, that we can't heal our own hearts, that we we need to be rescued and liberated and healed by one who is greater than us. Um, One of our kids, when they were younger, I'll not say which one, um, repeatedly liked to say, if you tried to help them with anything, uh, I can do it myself. I can do it myself, and we'd cast off all help. And there's something in our human nature. We want to do it ourselves. And there's a blow to our pride when we recognize, I can't do this, and I need salvation from beyond me. Um, So that's maybe one reason why we might be ashamed of this message. Maybe the other reason is what we might call the scandal of the cross, that there's something about the message of the cross Which lies at the heart of the gospel that can make people turn away. There's something about the story of the God who comes and takes human flesh and comes and bleeds and dies for us and for our sin and for our salvation. That Paul Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we preach Christ crucified and it's a stumbling block to the Jews. And it's foolishness to everyone else. There's something about that message that makes people turn away. And so it's always tempting to sideline that part of the message and maybe focus on something more uplifting and comfortable. But we end up with a message without power that can't set us free or heal our brokenness, that can't bring us into the joy and the freedom of the children of God. Um, and maybe I want to finish... Uh, just for this, I want to I kind of just speak from the heart for a moment. Hopefully I've been speaking from the heart all along, but you know what I mean. Um, in, in the last decade of my life, um, as I'm reaching middle age, um, I, I have seen a lot of my own generation drift away from the gospel of Jesus and his cross and walk away. And some of them were where and are good friends and some of them were mentors And some of them served with me in leadership um, and in mission. And I have sympathy for many of the reasons and many of the stories that people have walked. And many of them have been deeply disappointed by the church or by other Christians. And some of them have been deeply wounded. And many many of them have not found the church to be a place of joy and freedom and healing. And they've sometimes found it to be the opposite. And so... I understand the stories. They've been tempted to look elsewhere. And some of them have turned to a kind of optimistic secular humanism, that humans are basically good, and if we all work together, we'll get somewhere good. And some of them have turned to other spiritualities, usually a repackaged paganism or Eastern religion. Um, Some of them have turned to new progressive forms of Christianity with not a lot of room for the message of the cross. And I understand a lot of the reasons, but here's kind of my cry of the heart. I am convinced that those other paths will only lead to new disillusionment and new wounds and a new kind of lostness, because they've all been tried before and found to lead nowhere. And this is what I'm convinced of, that if it's joy that we're looking for, and if it's freedom that we're looking for, and if it's deep healing of our hearts That we're looking for those things are still found in jesus and his cross and the gospel has often been distorted and misrepresented and abused and misused and that is a tragedy and a blasphemy when it happens but the gospel remains true and beautiful and liberating and life-giving and what our generation needs is not to walk away from the gospel or to deconstruct it or reinvent it, but to recover it and rediscover it and be amazed again by the grace and kindness of God revealed in Jesus on a hill outside Jerusalem. Um, I wonder, do you agree with me? That's what our generation needs. Um, I want to provide, just as we finish, a small quiet moment for us to respond, maybe in the place of a prayer from me. Um, I just want to give us a moment simply to speak these words together Um, and hopefully you can remember them because we've been talking about them all along so I want to ask you to close your eyes just so you can ignore everyone else around you for a moment Um, and let me say if you're not sure if you believe these words um, that's okay and you can keep quiet and we're glad that you're here and I want to encourage you to keep thinking about these things But maybe this morning, if you believe these words are true, I just want to ask you to say them with me. Um, And if it feels appropriate for you, you could open your hands or raise your hands, um, or you can just sit where you are. Um, But I wonder, would you speak these words with me? Let me say them first, and then you can say them with me. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Wonder would you say that with me? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Let's say it together one more time. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes.